0: Kia ora, I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. Today on The Detail, New Zealand exports $20 billion in goods to China, but latest tensions are making exporters jittery. Now the push is on to find more trading partners.
1: And so by coming out publicly, New Zealand has put itself
0: uh, in a position of vulnerability. Our exporters do have... Option, but China is a very valuable market for us. And New Zealand does have to stand up for itself, but at the same time, the best way New Zealand can do that, apart from cyber security, is to have more free trade agreements. So you're saying that we should
2: transition away from this heavy reliance on China? It's pretty obvious, we have to.
0: There's a brand new trading block with 1.2 billion people and a growing middle class, and hardly anyone is talking about it. Africa as a continent
1: has a huge amount of opportunity and potential that we have undercooked
2: so far.
0: Are you saying that New Zealand and African countries have a lot more in common than we really think?
2: Absolutely. Uh, We might not have similar challenges, but there's a lot we can share, there's a lot we can learn from each other, and there's a lot of similarities. Mm. People need to trade. You know, after the Second World War, it was because of trade that we did not have other wars. Country started to engage and started to trade. Trade replaced that kind of protectionism, nationalism, that kind of idea. But when you trade with other countries, more peaceful world we have.
0: I'm meeting with Abdul Mohammed at AUT where he's studying law. He's a co-founder of the New Zealand Africa Business Council, which promotes trade and cultural exchange.
2: I want to first introduce myself as a Kenyan Kiwi, living in New Zealand now for eight years and an advocate for more relationship between Africa and New Zealand.
0: Were you in Nairobi?
2: Yes, I was in Nairobi, the capital city, and also Mombasa, the port city. So I was working in the transport sector. That's export and import.
0: Okay, so you saw a bit of the trade that was going on.
2: Yes, earlier on, my father was a a transporter, so that's why I saw earlier on about this amazing thing called international trade. Yeah,
0: yeah. What is the situation at the moment in terms of trade with Africa?
2: Good question, because it's a timely question. There are a lot of stories about Africa, but there's also good stories that are coming from Africa. For the first time, African countries have ratified a free trade agreement. One by one, they signed up to an agreement decades in the making. It's estimated the African continental free trade area could see business between African nations increased by more than 50% within four years. The idea is to bring together countries with a combined population of 1.2 billion people and gross domestic product, or GDP, of more than $2 trillion into one market. It's the largest free trade agreement in terms of member states in the world since the formation of WTO, World Trade Organization.
0: And what does that mean? That means
2: that uh, Africa is coming up and opening up its markets. For New Zealand and other countries, it means that there is an opportunity for New Zealand companies and organisations to work in Africa, to market their products in Africa, to engage in trade in Africa. So the, the free trade area reduces barriers and addresses issues of intellectual property and competitiveness and the most important things it opens market for 1.2 billion people.
0: That free trade agreement is yeah. within the African nations. Yes. So for example for New Zealand yeah. does that mean that they can get their product to a port yeah. and then it's easier to get it across to other countries?
2: Absolutely that's one of them. Uh The, the most important thing is that the There's no barrier within uh, African countries. That means, as you say, free movement of goods and people within Africa. That means there's a market of 1.2 billion people. So for New Zealand companies, there are many ways that they can, uh, apart from market, there is manufacturing sector and expertise. So if you have that kind of market, 1.2 billion, New Zealand can export its its expertise and invest in manufacturing of products and, and services to that market. So there's one second opportunity there.
0: Last year, we exported just $1.5 billion of goods to Africa and imported $236 million from the continent. Dairy is among our biggest exports, while phosphate, vehicles and cocoa are among the goods we buy from there. But a recent report by Sense Partners points to Africa as a region we really need to work on for trade agreements. It rates Switzerland, Norway, Morocco israel and turkey as the five most promising potential free trade partners to be pursued in the list of 22 with select targets in africa
2: central and south America. so
0: why aren't we exporting more to the continent is it the constant flow of bad news
2: these are scenes that have become all too common in nigeria These parents are victims in a kidnapping crisis. The king of South Africa's Zulu nation says the current wave of violence and looting has brought shame on the entire country. Gunfire in Mogadishu is not exactly unusual, but this is an exceptionally fragile and dangerous moment for Somalia. South Sudan at the moment is going through uh, one of its worst forms of insecurity in decades, over four Million children who are acutely malnourished.
0: Or do other things stand in the way? Well, Esther Guy Meekin works in trade policy for the Meat Industry Association. It sends $34 million of its products to Africa. She says it's. Quite a drop in the bucket in comparison to
1: our $9.2 billion worth of exports globally. That is a drop in the bucket.
0: Hmm. Why don't we send more meat to Africa?
1: For a range of reasons. We export to 110 different countries around the world and we have uh, very deep and long-standing customer relationships um, across the globe. African nations are part of that matrix, but it is a more difficult part of the world to export to and that's for a variety of reasons. There are a range of tricky import requirements in many of those countries. Those issues take a a lot of time and resource to resolve. And so, you know, to date, that has held back trade with um, Africa. What are those import requirements? Different certification, halal uh, certification and, and recognition biosecurity and sanitary requirements. Yeah, it it does take
0: a lot of time and resource to work those out. We talk about trading with Africa, but do you have to break it down and and do it country by country? Yes, of course. Each country
1: varies significantly in terms of their culture, some of their cuisine, uh, their demographics, their wealth. It is more helpful to, to look at different countries. Rather than Africa as a whole.
0: There is a recent report out by Sense Partners which <laughs> talked about this need to diversify and it highlighted Morocco as one of the top countries that we should be, I guess, expanding our trade with. Is meat already being sent to Morocco?
1: According to our statistics, in 2020, we exported just over five million dollars worth of product to Morocco. So, um, again, quite a small market. But if you're looking at sort of the the natural indicators for opportunity, um, I suppose Morocco does have, um, you know, many of those. It's a natural protein consumer. Consumers there do enjoy both beef and lamb. It's also a halal market, and I think our sector is very well placed to take advantage of, of halal. Around um, 43% of our exports are certified halal. Egypt is our largest export destination on the African continent, but again, you know there are, there are challenges that we continue to work through with our um, MPI
0: colleagues so is it a case despite the fact that it's you know got this huge population a growing middle class is it just a case that it's too hard and there are other places in the world that are easier to trade with
1: it's not only the the ease of trade but it's also the prices that different markets are willing to pay and it's also that sort of depth of of relationship that i mentioned earlier And building customer relationships does take a lot of time. And I guess Africa's not been a focus in the same way that the Asia-Pacific has, or
0: even the Middle East, or Europe, or the US. So is it a case of you don't need to, or is it an area that you are going to try and build on? It's
1: definitely on our sites. Africa as a continent has a huge amount of opportunity and potential for our sector Africa generally are already consumers of animal protein. They're big beef and lamb consumers. They have a growing middle class that is looking um, for safe, nutritious and and quality red meat products. And they also have a number of halal markets within Africa. Um, It's definitely on our horizon. And because market diversification is such a cornerstone of our sector's strategy. We will always be an advocate for more options, um, more options for our companies to take advantage of, um, and more options so that, you know, we have the opportunity to move product around the world when issues do arise, like
0: COVID. Is it a matter of pushing for more free trade agreements with African nations? That's certainly part of it. Our sector has really
1: benefited from the network of FTAs our government, while well, successive governments have negotiated over the years.
0: New Zealand has no preferential access to about 40% of the world economy.
1: That report that Sense Partners published was very useful because it not only highlighted different markets as opportunities that perhaps we wouldn't traditionally have thought of. But it's also provoked a conversation about how we approach the the next phase of, of New Zealand's trade policy. And I think with countries like those in Africa, we may need to be more creative in our approach to establishing those trade relationships because reducing tariffs is only one part of it. Um, non-tariff barriers or these complex regulations that we were talking about earlier is certainly a significant part of um, how we access markets. We really need to be focusing on reducing those non-tariff barriers or those complex regulations that make it very costly or difficult for companies
0: to access. But says the thinking and preparation should be going on now, although it cautions... It's a hard road finding the perfect free trade partner. I guess that's what people think is, oh, Africa's such a long way away. Yeah. It's, it's a market that's, you know,
2: it's too difficult. Too is, that,
0: is that the kind of reaction yeah. you get when you go and talk to business people here in New Zealand?
2: Absolutely, but business people are known to explore, you know, and go to uh, the remotest of areas they Break the barriers and uh, frontiers. That's what why we are advocating. We say that that if you engage with immigrants, that remoteness will disappear because of the the skill and the contacts and and ways of trading. So that's why it's important for companies and government to engage a lot with the the diaspora here. So it's very right, important. but
0: you know, I guess the stereotype of Africa there's a lot of poverty there, it's got infrastructure issues, not to mention corruption, yeah. also things like piracy. Yeah. I mean, are those the sort of barriers that you're up against?
2: Yes, of course Africa has challenges, there's no denying that, but the question is, some of the challenges can be, and uh, some companies are a solution to that. To the challenges, for example, Africa has had a perennial uh, hunger problems, and um, uh, not that they, there's no land. 60 uh, of the of the world's uh, arable land is in Africa. It's about uh, the expertise, you know, as countries like New Zealand, which is known for for agricultural, you know, uh, expertise. The Ma- yeah. Maasai Maori exchange.
0: What happened? It's
2: a beautiful story where there's always a problem with power, energy in Africa and geothermal provides clean energy for the rural communities and you need the land that uh, has this potential of geothermal uh, to to produce energy is owned by ancestral communities that are there. It's their ancestral land. Now there's a fine line between providing energy and the Maasai and the other communities need the energy, also the land that is owned by these people and land is an issue in, in, in Kenya. Since the colonization, the Maasai, they have revolted when it comes to their land. But there was a similar problem here with the Maori and the Geothermal Company and the Maori and the Geothermal Company had an amicable uh, uh, agreement and it was a fantastic way of uh, trying to get, you know, everybody on board. And there's a company that arranged so that the Maasai can learn from the Maori how they. Mitigated the whole challenges that are there, and, and it was a beautiful exchange. The, the Maori elders went to Kenya, and the Maasai came to New Zealand. Uh, it was an amicable agreement okay. between the company and who provided the clean energy.
0: What can each country get out of that sort of connection?
2: Uh, this has set out, I think, a foundation kind of a principle that can we use similar approaches to elders, you know, communities, people. You know, the the new foreign minister has approached people's approach in international relationships. This is something rare, you know, two peoples. They are coming to the grassroots, which is, I think, it's a very attractive approach. And when it comes to Africa, Africa is about communities and people. You know, it's more of, uh, they will respond more positively.
0: COVID must be holding up these sort of ambitions that you have.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And also the free trade agreement uh, was ratified in, in the Kigali Declaration in 2018 and was supposed to be implemented in 2019 but due to COVID now it, imp- it was impl- implemented in January 2021.
0: So it's yeah, very new. It's very
2: very new so it's, it's the right time where we should position ourselves, get a piece of the pie. The agreement commits countries to removing tariffs on 90% of goods and lifting all barriers to trade within the continent. Eventually, the free movement of people and even a single currency could become part of the free trade area.
1: That kind of agreement will go a long way towards regional integration within Africa. Um, It will go towards harmonisation of rules, cooperation between those African nations. And it does build business confidence. And so I do think that agreement is a is a really positive uh, step forward and that's certainly something that we do watch and will go a long way towards building some of that business confidence. Making progress on trade is, is a very long-term strategy. It takes um, a long time. It takes resilience, <laughs> um, persistence, and it does take a lot of resource. When I talk about Creative solutions. Part of that is also ensuring that we really understand the market, and that we understand it uh, not only in terms of the sort of commercial dynamics of that market, but the cultural dynamics of that market. Um, and to to really understand that side of it, we do need to um, invest in in representation. There and and understanding on from our officials' perspective, so that they can more effectively negotiate with with their partners.
2: It's time for New Zealand immigrants and and people from refugee backgrounds to put something on the table. You know, uh, to say that we can provide this uh, to New Zealand. I mean, rightly so. Why not? It's time for kind of a payback. You know, so we we need policymakers and government to start to talk to the diaspora community. They are ready, they want to save. they want to be good amb- ambassadors for New Zealand.
0: How did you find it when you came here?
2: As, as for me, somebody who had uh, much experience uh, in the international trade, um, it was not easy. Yeah. So for me, I just went on my own and started uh, to approach uh, businesses and government by myself and say, this is who I am, this is what I can contribute. And what
0: what, do, what kind of reaction did you get? They were uh, always
2: positive. Always positive, but
0: did they go beyond uh, that? No. Interesting. Yeah. So it's been frustrating for you?
2: Uh, I, I don't want to say that because I probably I did not knock the right door. Okay.
0: Yeah. So, yeah.
2: Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a trader, so I'm a diplomat, you know. <laughs> My language is uh, it's so amazing. So you,
0: you're willing to persevere because, I mean, yeah. you've been here 10 years. Yeah. And what, yeah. what success personally have you had?
2: By establishing the, the platform and getting to know a lot of people, both from private and government sector. You so know, you, connections, so you know, and yeah. network. Yeah. So I think it's the right time now for, to take off from here. Okay. Uh, in in light of the the trade agreement also, that I can, hey, here I am, we can contribute this. yeah.
0: So you've had to just keep going <laughs> keep at it and, and stay and learn, positive.
2: And stay positive and learn and knock doors, even if it's closed. Because when you know what you want and you know you have something to offer, one door being closed is, is just, it's nothing. That's nothing, you know? I, know. I know what I want. I know what the the, communities, the diaspora want. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that uh, New Zealand uh, might need my uh, potential and, you know, what I know, you know, mm-hmm. to contribute a little bit, you know. The hummingbird story, this is an African story. There was a fire in the forest and the hummingbird said, I'm going to put off the fire using my beak, you know, to carry water. And the elephants and the rhinoceros were like, how can you put this fire? And she said, I'm going to do my own part, you know, small bit. So why don't you use your power and to to put off the fire? So I'm just that hummingbird contributing a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm. That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The Detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. You can download us free to your mobile phone every day on any podcast platform. And if you want to get in touch, email us at thedetail at rnz.co.nz. Alexia Russell produced today's episode, Rangi Poik Engineered It. And thanks to Abdul Muhammad and Esther Guy-Meekin. Matewa.